Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. So we're going to jump into Titus. If you have a, a Bible, I encourage you to open it. Or if you have a, a Bible here, I encourage you to open it that way. And... Uh, join in with us for Titus. We we went to the introduction. <laughs> we spent a lot of time kind of just laying the foundation and it's all right, you know, uh, getting things because you need to know the context. You need to know what's going on uh, so that things begin to make sense as you're reading. Like, why would Paul write that? Why would why is Titus where he's at? What, what's going on? And we filled a lot of those blanks in last week, I think. And then we started to get into the first couple verses. And uh, I think the plan is we're going to get through chapter one today. <laughs> Wink, wink. We'll see. But that's Maybe. the plan. <clears throat> Just the plan. That's all right. Yeah. Um, so I think we could read. Uh, how about I read verses one through four, and then we'll kind of circle back just to talk about those things and maybe remind us of where we've been, what's going on, and then we can move forward. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I've been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child and a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Yes, I mean, you know, we talked some, you know, I think we talked some last week about this. We we went really quick. Um but, you know, even just that beginning, you know, in verse one slash verse two and just kind of this idea that Paul's writing this for the sake of the gospel, like <clears throat> that everything that we look at in the book of Titus should come back to that that central idea that Paul's writing this for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, yeah. which goes one in one, which is in accords with uh, godliness. Ultimately, this this sanctified life that uh, you say it's how do you say it? You you have a phrase. What is it again? Uh, uh, the godliness one. Yeah, the godliness. The gospel holiness, should lead the, to godliness. Yeah, gosp- yes, the gospel should lead. Yes, the gospel should lead to godliness. If you don't know by now, Joe has like <laughs> all of these compact, <laughs> portable phrases that are all really good. That uh, he just he's like a dictionary of all these walking dictionary of one-liners but but it's true though because uh andy stanley says that memorable is portable and i refer to him at times and so that helps that if i can if i can remember something if you can remember something scripture or even these verse these lines we're talking about that helps me to in my life if if i have this long diatribe and you're like what did you talk i have no idea what you talked about it doesn't help but if you say godly the gospel should lead to godliness then that tells me in my life that if I've been born again, if I've received the gospel and believed in Jesus and I'm following him, been born from above, my life, your life should look different, better look different, ought to look different. The gospel should lead to godliness. And if it doesn't, that's a pretty good indication that maybe you're not really been, maybe you've not been born again and or maybe not and or uh, you just are still an infant that 
you're you're walking in ignorance, and it's not a this is not a prideful thing. I'm saying I'm saying this is a reality. If you've gone through real life discipleship, you know what I'm talking about. Is that if you're if you're born again, you become a spiritual infant, and so you may be 30 years old, but you're in spiritually you're an infant, and you are walking in ignorance, and you don't know what to do. And and often as the church, shame on us, we have let people kind of wallow or die spiritually in a sense because we don't know what to do with them they are born again they come to jesus and then hey go to church and be a good person and we're not discipling them and the call of jesus on our lives is to make disciples not just get people saved it's to make disciples and it's so important yeah and i feel like you know there's a i feel like the point in time in history when the whole mindset of get people saved and that's it Mm. uh, kind of swept through the country. I feel like that was in a lot of ways a detriment to, to people in in their spiritual life. And because it almost, it gives these people the sense of, all right, I'm saved and that's it. And now I'm going to go about my life. And one, like you said, that's not what, that's not the whole story. Like that's not everything that God called us to do. And I think it is in a, in part, we're going halfway and almost taking this easy route um, and it's detrimental to the lives of people. Right. It's, uh, it's shame on us. Shame on the yeah, church. Shame on us. Shame on us. Shame on the church. Because I think I've shared it here, but I have a basketball friend, no offense to any, like I have many friends, but I've got guys in my life more than just basketball friends that say a phrase like this. Uh, you go to church. I don't really go to church, but I, I got saved when I was a kid at Sunday school, VBS. I got, I got saved. And, yeah. And we have let people think that's it. You're good. <laughs> good. And I will, I will footnote that to say, I don't know what God will do in God's mercy and God's grace. I'm not going to call somebody out and say, you're not saved. I don't want to raise up a generation. If I have any, any say in this to raise up a people. And I don't mean it any more than what I'm saying, I guess <laughs> I'm not trying to be God. I'm not saying I can change hearts. I don't want to be a part of a movement that is raising up infants and acting as if they're parents. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you got everything you need, just you're good. And, and we have done a disservice to the gospel. We have done a disservice to the great commission. And uh, I don't want to be a part of that. And I don't think we have been, I think we've been really pushing in a good direction for a while. And even the last couple of years, very pointedly po- pushing in a, a direction of discipleship and, um, of making disciples and at least at least beating that drum <laughs> and i think people are are getting it you know and understanding it yeah and i would agree danielle the holy spirit urges us to change when we are saved and and i think that that's a great statement and it's a great indication that if i say that i've been born again but i don't have that conviction of the holy spirit i don't have that like man i don't care about I, i'm gonna keep on sinning then that's a problem. And, or if I'm ignoring it, that's a different issue. If, if God is saying, Hey, look, stop, 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 or do this or do that. And you're like, I'm going to do my own thing. That's another indication, you know? Yeah. Older followers to push us. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And older, I think is in quotation marks. I think for a reason, I think Danielle is saying, uh, those that are more mature, whether they're physically older or not spiritually older, um, which can be both. I mean, you can be physically older and spiritually older. Yeah. But the whole fact is, is just because you're physically older does not mean that you're spiritually older. And even 
<laughs> even in what we're getting ready to talk about, um, Paul alludes to that when he's telling, because he tells Titus starting kind of in verse uh, six, seven, uh, kind of working through verse nine, he starts to tell him about, uh, you know, seeking out and training these elders, essentially, um, to be these overseers and stewards of God's resources and God's church. Yeah. Um, and he tells them these different things that, that they need to have or they need to learn talking about being above reproach and not being arrogant or drunkard or violent or greedy, but hospitality, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, uh, disciplined, all these different things that are really marks of a mature, a mature follower of Jesus. And in biblical context, uh, in kind of that, that era, it was very much this, this, elder younger culture of well because i'm older i must be respected by you and mm. paul is now telling titus somebody who's not who's not crazy old he's saying okay i need you to go you know basically seek out and or train some of these attributes that maybe they don't have so it's almost somebody that's younger coming to somebody that's older and saying hey you're you may be lacking some of these things and uh, I think that goes to show that it does not automatically come with age. Right. Um, yeah. Because I think what, what was happening is that in, in the church that, that Titus or the church is that Titus is now part of here in Crete is that uh, from what we understand is that there were Jewish uh, people who ended up at, in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And uh, there's a verse in, in Acts Two eleven that uh, when the the early believers, Christ followers, uh, received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they began to speak in tongues, and speaking in tongues meaning speaking in an unknown language, but a known language to somebody else. And so, uh, people from Crete were hearing the gospel message, hearing about Jesus and what Jesus has done for them in a language that they could hear and understand and receive, and their lives were changed. And they go back to Crete as infants as babies hey i heard this message of the gospel and now they're telling others in on this on the island of crete and what i think we see is uh what appears to be is you've got these infants <laughs> trying to understand because they don't have years and years and years two thousand years of of working this out that we do and that's a benefit to us but uh they don't have all that they have uh so they're they hear this at pentecost and now it's from this time to uh, when this letter is written is about 30 years. But in that time, what appears to happen is they come back and they've taken what they've, they've taken the gospel and in their infancy and try to live this out on the island of Crete. And there's not really a lot of guidance and a lot of direction. And so they're trying to walk this out. And what happens is, is you begin to take, well, this, this is the gospel, but I also believe this, or I believe that, or this is what people around me say, uh, or other people are coming in and saying they're following Jesus, but then I have to also be circumcised to be a Christ follower. And I didn't know that, but that's not what I learned. But okay, if you say that, and so all of this stuff is, and, and not not to mention on top of all of that, the, Cre the Cretan, Cretan culture is already bad. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not like, wow, this is a really wholesome place. It's a pagan culture already and so you take all that together and you can understand why paul left titus in crete and said look we got some work to do because the churches there are going sideways the believers there are going sideways and 
And one of the things we said beforehand that Nate and I were talking about is we like to look at this and say, man, those people in Crete, those people are bad. Or, man, the, the Jewish believers and uh, the, say the Jews in, in the Old Testament, how like, man, they never got it. They would they would follow God and then they would try to do their own thing and they would sin and they would fall away and they would turn and repent and God would take them back. And there was this cycle going on like I would, and we begin to look at people like that and kind of look down on them and say, how do you, how do you not get it? But we do the very same thing, but maybe ours is just polished a little better. Maybe we're like those whitewashed tombs that on the outside, man, you look really good. But on the inside, we're just we're full of dead man's bones and we don't even we're dead and we don't realize it at times, uh, even spiritually. And we struggle to even it's easy to look at somebody else and say, man, you, you're messed up and not realize how messed up we are. Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's a couple things like you. I don't know. I, I always think back like John Fisher talked like John Fisher in real life is up He talks about how it's almost this he describes it as this software that runs in the background. Yeah. And yeah. as you go through life and as you see people, and one of the tools to keep you from seeing looking down on people, whether it's people in Crete or the the Jews in the Old Testament that maybe missed it, um, or people in our present day that, that, that just don't get it or um, just they're they're still infants. Is real life discipleship, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a call for people people watching. Is that the real life discipleship is important um, for people that follow Jesus to to be able to look at people with with patience and with this sense of I want to see you grow, and I understand that you say the things that you do, and you are where you are. Not necessarily because it's your fault, but just because you're you're an infant yeah. or you just. Yeah. yeah. And now it's my responsibility to help you and to help disciple you. Right. Um, I think that's really important. And oh, um, I think where I was going to pick up and where, what I was going to say. That's OK. I can we'll come back to it. But uh, well, yeah, so much stuff. I know she says you think it's heading in a good direction. Focus on education using real life discipleship tool for building the kingdom of God. For sure. You know, we don't see real life discipleship as being the end all be all. But it is uh, the most um, we have people that have said I've, I've been believers, Christians, Christ followers for many years. And so I've never heard this stuff. <laughs> And uh, again, I feel like it's shame on us in the sense that, you know, there are things that that I have done for many years or done in youth ministry and, and, and big people ministry as well uh, that, you know, maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't maybe words weren't put to it. You know, we just yeah, that's what you do. You, you build relationships and you hang out with students, you hang out with people and you 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 do life together and all that kind of stuff. And it's just helping uh, us to pull it all together in a very cohesive way. We didn't have the plan to. Um, talk about real life discipleship today but that's kind of where it's going uh you know i would i'm going to look at that quote there let's put it up there historically the church has not nurtured believers to mature into disciple makers many of us self-included were lulled into believing that saying a prayer saved us and we're on our own to figure it out well yeah (laughs) i i wrote that down she said that in our real life discipleship she said that and barb i wrote that in my book to to say later (laughs) like when that you know that's so true that like that really is the that's the best way i think i've heard it described is like yeah you can teach you can teach a parrot to say a prayer yeah uh but that doesn't mean it really meant anything uh and that is that carries yeah. a lot of weight with it yeah. yeah uh you talk about the incarnation you know jesus uh 
becoming man, like God the Son becoming man. Uh, we see that uh, in a sense. There's three times in Titus that we see that. Um, one of them is here uh, somewhat, you know, as far as God's plan, uh, hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested uh, in his word through the preaching that what you have is the beginning of like you see the gospel you see the incarnation through the book of titus and and it's paul is making this very important doctrine rise to the top because it's again in chapter two and it's again in chapter three and we'll look at those as we go along uh, but the key in all this and we're, we talked about it last last sunday at 11 o'clock talk about being born again today we're talking about just the importance of the gospel and, and how we've been on sunday mornings we've been hammering the gospel and, and i and i sometimes feel bad you know in the sense like well, here we go again you know, but I shouldn't feel bad, uh, meaning that the gospel is important and we should be excited about it. We should it should change us. It should be transformative. And I think sometimes it's not. Uh, and and yeah. And I asked you, I think, like, why? Whose fault is that? <laughs> and meaning like we you know, people follow Jesus, but their lives don't look like they follow Jesus. And who's that on? And I think you blame God for part of it or something. No. <laughs> I did not blame God. I yeah. I was simply saying that I feel like that answer as to whether or not do they do they really have this right standing with God if they don't truly fully understand it. I'm like I I don't know. I think that's on God. Like I don't I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people around that, that walk around like we we just talked about that say yeah I prayed this prayer and I'm going about my life and. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I was going to say something else. You know, we talked, you're saying, you, you know, you're talking about how you've talked about the gospel on Sunday mornings a ton. And, um, and that's, that's true. I'm trying to think how I was going to say this. Uh, that's true, but it's good because the, okay. Cause the other, I feel like the other thing that, that you could, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to say this without like saying anything I shouldn't say. Um, yeah, we're like, all the other option. Here is you could you could talk about uh all right here's these morals these these morals that you could pull from the bible and and here's these morals that you can now go do but the problem is is morals and and rules don't change people and i think that's you almost you okay somebody prays this prayer and now i'm going to give you these rules yeah and expect you to change, but the reality is, is rules don't change people because if rules truly change people. We wouldn't need you wouldn't need prisons because uh, <laughs> you got all these rules and everybody should be good. Uh, but rules don't change people. The gospel is what changes people. It it's this radical. I'm going to turn your values, your internal value system, and how you process what you see and what you go through. I'm going to turn that upside down to where it's no longer about you and about yeah. self. And about getting what you want, but now it's about love for the sake of truth and for the sake of the gospel. And when you make that radical upside down shift with inside, um, it changes everything. And you can go through the end of Romans 12. Paul talks about all these things that you change. I mean, even in this this verses five through nine in Titus, it talks about all really all these things that you change, and they all kind of spawn out of this internal um love for the sake of truth and for the sake of the gospel and rules no matter how hard you try or how whatever list of rules that you come up with because you can look at all of the all of the the circumcised that we're going to talk about and the, the pharisees and everything else it didn't 
it didn't do it no matter how hard they tried to do an entire life to all of these rules and it didn't happen right um but yeah the the phrase oh by the way angel was telling you you got this just so you know (laughs) you did you got it angel uh we were talking about and we'll we'll get back to to um to titus i promise but that the gospel should lead to godliness. That was the phrase that we said beforehand, like even before we got on air. And I said, why is that not the case? Why is that not happening? Like, who's that on? And I think we determined that in big part, it's on us. Meaning that if, if people's lives are not being changed, it absolutely 100% is a work of God in people's hearts to really change. And we're not trying to get people to change their behavior, to look like they follow Jesus. We're trying to lead people to transformation um, but I would say pre a few years ago, even, uh, we might've talked about those things, but we operated as if, uh, but just, you try hard and just be a good person and, and have high morals and, and, you know, whatever, and look like you follow Jesus as opposed to saying, look, I'm, <laughs> I need help and here's who I am. And I surrender my life and, and let God change me. And, uh, Romans 1, 16, Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes that there's not power in, I mean, we teach morality. We teach these things. Uh, Paul says in Titus that he is an apostle and a servant for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. And so Paul was sacrificing himself, uh, let's say on the altar of, I want to help you to grow your faith. I want to help you to grow your knowledge, which leads to godliness, which leads to transformation, not just being smart in Bible stuff, uh, but leading you to like once you understand who God is and what God has done and and those kind of things, God begins to change how you think and begins to change your heart and your life uh, much more than just being ignorant. You know, so to me, uh, that is even a call on our lives, not just as pastors, but as as those that are called to make disciples may we have the same heartbeat to say for the sake of your faith that I do the things that I do and for the knowledge of the truth that if I can help you to walk in what is true, uh, God will take his truth and begin to change your heart. Uh, Not just teaching, not just these sayings that I may have or people have. um, There's there's power in the word of God and we want to keep pointing people back to the word. And that's, you know, Romans 12. This is something that you see mystery we've talked about the past three weeks, going on four weeks now, um, you know, stretching your faith and everything else and transformation. And Romans 12, we've talked about Romans 12 for like two two weeks, three weeks. Um, you know, those first two verses are very quotable and things that, you know, if you've been in church a long time, you know these first two verses where it talks about, you know, presenting your body as this living sacrifice. And then th- th- this is your, this is your worship. And he says in verse two, he says not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed And the way to transformation is by the renewing of your mind and kind of this idea of this constant renewing. You know, I, I talked about how we got this washing machine and we used to have well water and uh, the, the inside of the washer, like we put the little soap and stuff, it's it's orange uh, from the well water, like the hard well water. And uh, so we take it to the new house, new house doesn't have well water. We hook it up. You run your first load, that doesn't mean that all of that orange just magically goes away, but it, it takes this renewing in this path to to this holiness and this this transform that happens from the inside out. By the time it makes it to the outside, it's 
it takes this almost constant renewing, I feel like, of the gospel, of hearing the gospel over and over. And at, like you slowly see how all of this all connects back to the gospel. And I don't know if I'm explaining all this the right way. Yeah. Just, I, yep. I'm just thinking through all this. But because uh, Paul, right after that, goes on to talk about this gift of grace that we have. And uh, then you, you think about truth and you think about the truth is what makes you free. And I don't know. Anyways, sorry. Bad, yeah. We can go back to the comments. Uh, <laughs> yeah, come on, Nate. Quit teaching us stuff. I'm just talking. Uh, yeah. I just, it's interesting because I feel like all the student ministry stuff we've been talking about keeps tying in with yeah. Titus. Just and I would say the stuff instead. we're talking about on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock is also tying in with the gospel and, and how our lives should be changed and how uh, the gospel should lead to godliness and um, what you believe determines how you behave, you know, those kind of yes. things that that's a, a, a mantra that should have been spoken and maybe was spoken in Crete, you know, like, you, you know, it's funny. Like, I feel like I'm surprised that all of this keeps tying together. And like, why am I surprised? <laughs> like, it should always tie together. If we're talking about the gospel and how the gospel changes lives from the inside out. And that that's what it always should come back to. Yeah. It all should tie together all the time. And I don't know why I'm surprised that it ties together. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you have little faith, right? I uh, know. So Paul is writing this letter at around 63 AD. So about 30 years after Pentecost. And so, uh, oh, I'll put this, look at this fancy. This is free today only for you guys. Ooh, I you can send away. Away. There you go. Do that. Uh, so this is Paul's fourth missionary journey. Uh, he may have had other contact with the island of Crete before that, uh, but we you can read in Acts 28 where Paul is on this journey and uh, kind of takes harbor there. Uh, one person think I mean one thing I read that maybe Titus was dropped off at that point. Not sure, uh, but he at some point was left in Crete. Um, sure, that would make a nice uh, movie or something like. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of the focus uh, of the missionary journey, and that's where Crete is. We've been talking about it, but that's kind of where, if you know your geography at all-ish, you can kind of see um, where that falls and, and all that. So, yeah. But this is about 63 AD, and um, Paul then goes into, I, I'll put this little thing up here, and then we can read through these verses yeah. to kind of set the... Um, read through, I'll go, ahead. Uh, through, go ahead. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read. Uh, I'll go ahead and, yeah, I'll go ahead and read five through nine, and I'll let you read the, yep. the 10 through 16. I'll take the shorter section. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Paul says, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that uh, you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or uh, greedy for gain, but hospitable a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. I'm going to stop there there's, for a second. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, a lot. there's there's a lot like right there and something interesting. I don't know if I get a chance to say it later, so I'll say it now, so maybe I can say it later again. Is this, everything that Paul just described is polar opposite of Cretan yes. culture. Yes. Know, we talked about Cretan culture last yep. week and how it's about lying and self and greed. And it's all wrapped around this idea of the Greek gods and Zeus and everything else. It's all about me and using, leveraging what I have to get what I want. And this, everything Paul just described is the polar opposite of that. Paul says, he's telling Titus, he says, all right, I need you to go find or to go. I feel like I could use the word go disciple um, some people that now reflect these, these qualities and these attributes and these values that ultimately come from the inside out to now go and lead lead the church they they need to be known for being generous full of love and self-control and integrity um in their family and also in the community did you go find these people i need you to go to one of the worst places and i need you to go find people that you're probably not gonna be able to find so that means that you're probably gonna have to disciple some people um to now be to be leaders in the church they're to teach the good news of Jesus and also to confront corrupt leaders. Mm. And part of me feels like just the, just those couple of verses, like at least for Titus, it's almost overwhelming. Like, I just yeah. think, Whoa, <laughs> like good luck. Uh, that's it. Part of me wants to say, like you look at American culture. I feel like you could say good luck in American culture, like even finding people yeah. like that. But, uh, when I think in American culture though, we, uh, we're good fakers. Yes. Like we can find a bunch of people that on the, on the surface know how to play the game. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. But then when you get to know them or in conflict, they kind of reduce down to where they really are. You're yeah. like, Oh, okay. I see you. Uh, you know, talking about being overwhelmed. Uh, we cleaned out the, the garage here at church. We got a big dumpster and cleaned out the garage, which is a good thing. And I stood there at the very beginning by myself and I'm like, I literally feel overwhelmed. <laughs> and so Stan comes in to help out and he's like, just start in one place and we'll work from there, which is the right thing to do. And I think that that's what you're saying, even about Titus, that, you know, you walk in and Paul says, I want you to find men to be to appoint as elders in the church. And all the men that you find must not look like anybody that you see in Crete. <laughs> They can't be anybody that like the people that, yeah, it's got to be people that are above reproach, people that are not liars and, and consider like, worried about their own game. Okay. Well, that's, that's him. He's out. He's out. He's out. He's out. Uh, I think it began to get very small. And I think what you look at is say, okay, you start with one. And that's the yeah. same thing that I believe God led us as a church to not do this. We're going to disciple everybody as a church. What we said was let's, and I really believe this was the Holy Spirit's leading in the leaders of our church was to say, let's do this grassroots movement, meaning let's be a part of this grassroots thing that God is doing, that we're not going to do this church-wide discipleship campaign. We're going to say, okay, who, who's fat in our congregation? Who is faithful, available, teachable? Uh, we're going to do this thing, and we can only take 12 of you. Um, and people started to come. And then started their lives began to get changed and 
and then we did it again and some others came and then we did it again and some others came and God has been growing God's people and God's church and God's way. And that has been uh, evidence of, of God at work. Oh, here's a fake it till you make it. <clears throat> yeah. That, and I think um, in certain contexts, that's good. <laughs> uh, I would, I would encourage you to, to be real and maybe even obnoxiously real uh, because I don't think I get what you're saying, Angel, yeah. but I think until we're really, we're willing to be real about who we are and where we are and where we are spiritually, uh, it's going to be hard for God. I mean, God can do anything, but it's going to be hard for us to, for God to really work in our lives. If we're like, I, I'm good. I, I'm not a Cretan. I, I don't have those problems. I, I don't know what you talk about until we're brought to our knees and say, okay, yeah, I'm, I am a Cretan actually. <laughs> I really yeah. thought I was a Christ follower, but I really, I, I want my own way. I want to do my own thing. I want to, I, I, whatever, until we're willing to do that. I think that's. Yeah. And you know, the reality is, is like, yeah, we can play a good game, especially as Americans, like we play a good game and uh, we can not be real. And yes. I think we, we do that so often where we, we begin to believe that. <laughs> we believe God a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we begin to believe the lie to the point where we think God looks down and God, we think God believes the lie in the fake life. And we're like, ah, I'm all good. And God looks down and is like, no, no, you're not. And yeah. when will you wake up and realize that you just need to be real? Yeah. And yeah. Um, then so the next section. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The next section. <laughs> I'll let you go. <laughs> well, cause I, I just wanted to look at that. I mean, there's some things in there that maybe we could talk about what they are, but I don't, I don't, I mean, they're pretty, pretty self-explanatory when we talk about elders in the church, uh, what we've been moving to for uh, many, 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 many years. Uh, we are finally at a place in our church where we realized that in order to have an elder led church, we need to have elders before we can have an elder led church. We were at one point going to institute or, or, or have an elder led church, but we had no real elders to put into place. And so it doesn't make sense to say we're going to be elder led, but we have really have one elder, two elders. We're good, you know, and so understanding the need. And so right now, not many people know this. And so this is good to say uh, that we have a group of the deacons are going through elder training right now, uh, what it means to be an elder what that looks like and that it's a calling that God puts on your life. And uh, what are the qualifications? Well, Titus right here, here's some qualifications of what it means to be an elder. And we take that very seriously because an elder, as we'll see, is the an overseer. An elder is one who is the stopgate for false teaching and, and for things that are uh, stop those things from coming into the church because it can easily happen. Uh, and, and, and it can, it, we talked about you and I talked about on, fraught Thursday or whatever, but it's like the frog in the kettle thing uh, that it's just, you know, maybe this teaching is a little, it's a little off, but eh, okay. And then you begin to go off center and uh, you end up in a place where the church is off the rails and you're like, how do we, how do we get here? It's, it's the song slow fade, you know, that you're like, you wouldn't necessarily choose to cheat on your wife or to cheat on your husband, but it's that it's those little things along the way that, 
that text or that smile or that whatever it is. And eventually you're at this place of making this decision that changes everything. You're like, how in the world did I get here? Well, it's because of, of the, the little things you gave in on along the way. The same thing is within the church is that we can't, uh, we have to make sure we're vigilant that we're, we're not letting, you know, we're not just preaching a feel good gospel and a, Hey, you know what? Just be a good person. And, do the best you can. And God's really, he's loving and he is, he's gracious and you'll be all right. If we don't teach the scripture, if we don't teach God's word, then we might as well close up shop and just, you know, go get coffee or something. Cause it, it that's yeah. not the gospel. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's why Nate's here. He's <laughs> like, Joe, that's so right. So right. <laughs> Just, uh, I'll be like the little cheer section with like the yeah. Hey. I told uh, uh, I told Larry we should do the thing where like the Tonight Show where he could be off to the side while I'm preaching. You know, like when they come out and talk, and I'll say something, and then he'll play something. You know, <laughs> it really isn't about the show. It's really about having fun. Uh, but I feel like we we can't move on at this point just because of our time. Um, but it's good to kind of to dwell on these things because Paul is saying. Uh, the people that are to be overseers, to be elders in the church, need to meet certain criteria because uh, Scripture says in other places, uh, like shepherd, like sheep, you know, like priests, like people, that uh, the, the people of the church begin to be a reflection of the leadership. And so that's important that we, Pastor John and Nate and I and uh, the, the board and others, that we uh, take these things very seriously. And we do because uh we all will begin to be a reflection of each other. And I'm thankful for the things that I see God doing in our church of, of people being loving toward each other and, and hospitable, you know, everything in, in Colossians, it's Colossians three, you know, one of my favorite passages, I guess I could say that about almost every passage, I guess. Isn't that what you're supposed to say as a pastor? Like, Oh, it's my favorite, favorite passage, but Colossians three, uh, 12 through 17, you know, that's, uh, and a picture of a healthy church, healthy relationships. And God is, is taking us there uh, over the last few years. And I'm, I'm thankful because it's not anything that we take credit for because God is doing that work in me and in you, you and in uh, John and, and those that are in leadership and, and even people of the church. And so I'm thankful for what God is doing and uh, we see it, you know, coming out. Uh, let me, let me, pulling some comments here because we're going to pray recognizing our true heart condition is a good first step toward heart change i agree with that that we uh, i often have said from my early student ministry days and i say it even today that until you're willing to be real with god real with yourself and real with other people change won't happen i mean i, I say that with the caveat that god can do anything but i don't believe until we're willing to be real uh because we we all Angel, we all fake it at times, don't we? Meaning fake it till you make it. And uh, I'm encouraging you as a follower of Jesus, all of us, to just be real. And I will often say um, <laughs> that if you're a heathen, then just be a heathen. If you are if you are who you are, be who you are. Um, because I believe in that. I, I, me as a, a fellow believer or a, a whoever I am, I can, I can do something with that. I can, yeah, I'm okay. Like people will... They'll say it like they'll swear in front of me or something like, oh, 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 I'm like, dude, I said, just be yourself. Do you 
Yeah. Uh, I, I don't. Anyway, God doesn't look at us by our sin like others do. God sees his children, and that's hard for us to understand. So I think it's easier for people to be behind a mask. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. gonna, <laughs> she hasn't drank all her coffee yet. Um, you know, I think if you in John chapter three that we'll look at today, people have chosen darkness because uh, they're ashamed of what things are shown in the light. And I think that's very true in our lives is that we are ashamed or we're, we're lost and it's, it's not easy for sure. Yeah. And I feel like as you, as you begin to hear the, hear the gospel over and over and over again, and you begin to lay hold on the reality that man, God sees me as his son. Yeah. And as you begin to see that reality and man, God chose to love me even in my worst yeah. I think that will begin to to almost break you, but break you in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, yeah. I don't know quite how to describe it with words, but uh, yeah. Well, that's been my hope as we look at John, the Gospel of John, to see who God is, and it, and it's just a glimpse of of a of an infinite God, and what He has done, and who Jesus is, and what He has done. Say, God the Father, God the Son. My hope is that if you're a Christ follower, that that would energize your faith, that that would change you. And if you're not a Christ follower, that would lead you to Jesus. Uh, Barb says it's not just the church. It's it's uh, also on us as believers. The Holy Spirit is in us. Amen. He doesn't leave us. Uh, we just don't want to change, so we don't pay attention and we stay infants. Uh, I just have to, I've come to understand that we are saved. And at that time, it's no longer about me. It's about others. And and really, as you get into real life discipleship, you understand, you begin to understand that that attitude doesn't come until you become a young adult, because until then, you're you're a child and you're selfish, you're an infant and you're ignorant, you have no idea. Um, and as you grow and you learn, you realize, wow, it's it's not about me. It's about what who what God is it's about loving God. It's about loving people. It's about making disciples. And it's a game changer. And but I, I agree with you. I think often. I will say that, you know, it's on us as church leaders and as people not making disciples. But there is an element and we say this often is there's our role, their role and God's role. And so I sometimes probably will speak more on it's, you know, my role of like, man, I should do more. I should do more. But really, there's some there's some uh, uh, responsibility on those that say that they follow Jesus to actually follow Jesus. And uh, that's important to remember, too. Good words, guys. I don't know if you have anything else you want to say. It's 10 o'clock. We've got some people to pray for. i uh, got Chris uh, Bibbler. We're going to pray for. I'll, and if you don't mind, I'll just pray through this list. Yeah. Leslie and Barb again. If there's anything else that we can pray for, uh, let me know. I agree with that. It's our nature. <laughs> We're supposed to put, the, you know, that that phrase, living sacrifices, uh, the living dead things. You know, the, I've said this before, and it wasn't original with me, but the problem with with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar <laughs> that that's our problem in our lives is that we we're like, God, ah, we get it. You I have it all. And then we, we see a shiny thing over there. We're like, but oh, I'm going to go. And we get back off the altar. We, we walk away from that surrender. And uh, it is a, it is a process for sure. And as we talk about sanctification being a point in a process and there's so much stuff we could talk, we could go on for another hour um, yeah. or six. So, I plan to preach for four hours today, so it's going to be good. Make sure you show up this morning. <laughs> or is that every morning? Don't You shouldn't say stuff like that, Nate, or even think like that. 
I think so. you plan to do like 20 minutes. And it's yes, 30. I do. And then I just, you know. Yeah. All right. So let me pray. Thank you. Uh, not only you, Nate, but you out there that are, are I, I appreciate the, the interaction and the comments. Uh, they're not a distraction to me. I don't think they're a distraction to Nate. Uh, appreciate that because I, I love for us to be engaged with each other, to encourage each other, to pray for each other. Uh, this is, if I can say this, we don't have the mentality that church is what happens at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, that church can be the church at any time of the day, should be the church at any time of the day, all those things. And uh, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in the people, not only that are attend Northampton, but have been a part of the things online that we've been doing, that God has allowed us to do. And so I'm thankful for that. Father, I just uh, thank you for our time together. Thank you for Nate and giving the time and and uh, us to be able to be here and, and just get into your word and share what you put on our hearts. And God, the, I just, I so appreciate our conversations and thankful for that. Uh, how I feel that, that we don't manufacture these things <laughs> that we talk about, that uh, we look at your word and, and you are in the process of changing us and in the things that you're teaching us just come out. And, and I'm thankful for each one here that uh, is just willing to share and to be vulnerable and, and say things and uh, make comments and, and share their hearts. And so I'm just thankful for this time. We just know that you hear us, uh, that you, the thing that blows me away is that you want to hear us, that you want to fellowship with us. And we thank you for that. Thank you for hearing us today. Thank you for speaking in us, into our hearts today through your word. And we just pray that as we continue on this morning, that we would bring you honor and glory in the songs that we sing, the words that we say, the hearts that are changed because of you. And so we thank you and we ask it in Jesus name. Amen.